like our Bibles tonight, Second Chronicles. And it has been my pleasure to be here. And I hope God has used something that has been sung or played or preached that has spoken to your heart. And uh, I hope your heart's desire, man. I, I, I crave revival. Um, a lot of times people ask me what I do. And uh, I, I'm not as much as I think the term evangelist uh, could strictly be used. Um, I really believe the proper term would probably be a revivalist. And I preach mainly revivals uh, throughout the year. And uh, I was going to go in one direction tonight, but I, I feel like the Lord wanted me to go in this uh, particular direction. And, and I'll just try to mind the Lord uh, tonight. Brother Kevin said before church, he saw me in my Bible writing notes and, and uh, scribbling things out. He said, sometimes the best messages are when God changes your mind. And I think the Lord, he said, preacher's best messages are when he doesn't have anything planned. And I don't know what that means exactly, but, uh, but I appreciate that. Thank you for your openness. Thank you for your kindness. Always, always, always been so kind to me. And uh, you've been gracious. And, and I praise the Lord for this church. I praise the Lord many of you have, that have been brought here uh, since the last time I was here. And you have not had a chance. Some of you have not even had a chance to meet the entire uh, quartet group. Uh, but you'll enjoy them. I'm sure, Lord willing, we'll be back, all of us, uh, back again. And, uh, and uh, just want to serve here. We, we love coming here. I'm telling you, uh, the guys will be kicking themselves after I talk about this week uh, when I get home. But thank you for your tenderness. But listen, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. We need the Lord. I said it before, I don't bring revival in a suitcase with me. I've been to places, and I want to be honest with you, uh, and I'm not trying to be critical of those places, but there's been places I've been, and I mean, I, you couldn't feel God within 10 miles of the church. And I'm just, I'm not being critical. I'm just being honest. It was just, there's no tenderness. There's no desire for anything of the things of the Lord. And, and uh, I don't get that here on, on the wholesale. And I hope each individual of you, I hope you're wanting the Lord to do something in your heart uh, tonight. And uh, we're going to go over a, a familiar character in the Bible but I really want you to let the Lord speak to your heart. I, I believe God wants to do something bigger than what's in this room. You understand what I mean by that? I believe God wants to do something bigger than who's in this room. And I think we, it, it's so amazing when I, when I hear a video like that, you, 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 some of you notice that, um, you know, I, I become visibly moved by videos like that. And it's not the music, it's, not, it, it, it's the craving in my heart that I want God to do something on a scale that unfortunately a lot of Christians don't believe can happen anymore. And Brother Kevin, it breaks my heart because I, I believe we serve the same God that was in Acts chapter 2. I believe we would serve the same God that's in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5. I believe we serve the same God that is a mountain-moving God. And I believe we limit him so much by, by our apathy and by our lack of faith and, and so many other issues in our life. We limit our God. But listen, I believe God can still take a demon-possessed man and clothe him and put him in his right mind. And I'm telling you, I've, I've seen God do it. And I've seen God move, and I don't want to live without it. Now, I, I'm, I, I have said this in my church, and I feel like this is my, one of my second home churches. I feel like I can say this here. 
And my wife, maybe she's probably watching tonight. She said uh, before her prayer, ladies prayer meeting is tonight and uh, she's tuning in. If you're here, love you. We'll see you in a couple days. And, uh, but my wife has heard me say this time and time again, if, if, if we can't have revival, listen, I will, I will come off of the road so fast and some of you don't understand it because you don't travel. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, I've missed ball games from my sons. I've missed birthdays. I've missed Father's Days. This Easter, I won't be eating a ham dinner with my family. I'll be preaching the word of God in Florida. And I'm going to tell you, if, if I didn't believe revival couldn't happen... I'd quit tomorrow because Pastor Fury, it's not worth missing all the things that I just mentioned if we don't believe that God wants to and that God will work. But I don't believe that God is done yet. And, I, and I, I'm not going to apologize for being emotional because they were made in the image of God. And the Bible says God's heart grieves for nations. God's heartbeat is revival I'm telling you, I, I, I'm saying, I'm just saying tonight, I'm here. I'm, I've traveled a thousand miles away from home, however many miles it is, because I believe God wants to do something in Simcoe, Ontario, Canada. And if not, then we can shut it down. Listen, this is last night anyways. I'll come down and I'll sit down right now and we'll just close in prayer and we'll just quit playing games. But I believe that somewhere inside the term, there's a group of people, and I believe it's a majority in this room right now, that really want and desire for God to do something. Let's not lose sight of that. Let's not lose our hunger for that. And you've seen it. We, we've seen glimpses of it here. And listen, it's not all about, sometimes a revival doesn't look like what we think it looks like. Sometimes it, it results in a lot of people being saved and we rejoice in that. But sometimes it looks like those of you that have been holding grudges against each other for years, it looks like you getting right with the other person. Sometimes it looks like those of you that have been dealing with bitterness because somebody in this building said something to you one time and you never got over it, but you haven't nailed it to the cross and allowed the God to bring healing into you. Some of you, it's been because you were hurt in church and somewhere else and you'll never trust the pastor and you'll never trust the youth pastor because you were hurt. But listen, revival for you may look like finally saying, listen, man may fail me, but God will never fail me. God's going to revive the spirit within. For some of you, it looks like getting tracks in your pocket again and going out and telling the world about the Lord once again. For some, of you, for some of you, it means not going through the motions anymore of ministry. And I know how it is. I know what it's like to be a staff member. And I know what it's like to work in the church and so busy, getting so busy in the work of God that we forget the God of the work. I know how it is to get involved in planning meetings and we've got to have this over here and we've got to make sure this is set up and we've got to make sure this is going on and we've got to push these buttons at this time. We've got to make sure we stand up at the right time and the choir, we've got to make sure we hit every note. Well, listen, it would be better off if you missed a couple notes in that special, but the touch of God was on you and God could begin to work in hearts and lives through you. That's what revival may look like. Revival may look like us shouting sometimes. Revival may look like us sitting still and not saying anything. But my heart's desire is that you crave revival. From the first time I ever came to this church, 
And the first message I ever gave behind this pulpit here, I said these words and I say them nearly every time I come here. We will find out if we've had revival this week by what happens when I leave. Not necessarily what happens in this service. By what we leave. Our pastor's brother's name is Don Noonan. When he got right with the Lord, he heard a preacher. He, he, had, he, had, he had grown his hair out. He had pierced himself. He, had, he was a bouncer at a bar and he was living it up. He had a living girlfriend. He had the cars. He had Corvettes. He had two speedboats. He had it all, a good job. And he came to church service one night and he heard a man preach. And he preached on you can fail and 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 you don't have to be a failure. And he sat there that night thinking, I'm, I am a failure. I've failed God. I've, I've ruined my life. I've ruined it with women and booze and drugs and alcohol and bars and everything I said I shouldn't do as a teenager when I got saved. He said, I've ruined it all. But he heard that message of hope and God began to revive his heart. Can I tell you, he didn't walk the aisle that night. He didn't weep. He didn't shout down the aisle. And I'm not against any of that. I'm for all of that. He went home. And he got on his knees and he got right with God. He got up the next morning and he went and got his hair cut. And he went over to his brother's house, my pastor. And he said, bro... You got to know him. He, he says they're own unique Italian. They're raised in an Italian-Irish family, but mostly Italian. He said, bro, I got right with God last night. And for the last 21 years, he has been the pastor of Rochester Baptist Church in Rochester, Minnesota, serving the Lord. God used him to bring salvation to me, and he was preaching the night my mom got saved. Could you imagine if that preacher that preached that night didn't believe that God could revive a young man that had ruined his life, that had gone out into the world, that was drinking and even, even, even uh, bouncing at a bar. I thank God for some people who believe in revival. This afternoon, a, young, a man responded. I, I, a friend of mine, Brother Tom Hatley, who we've talked much about, he's one of my three outside of this church, his church, and another church I've preached more in than any other church in the ministry the last 20 years in my own. And he, put, he said something about, we've been talking about, we can't tell when the revival winds will blow, but we can get our sails ready. And he had posted that. I think Vance Havner, somebody uh, posted about that, or uh, I forget who it was, but, uh, but they talked about it. And he had posted, and I, I, I reshared that on Facebook. And one of the men who I know who is a former pastor, I don't know if he's in the ministry right now, he, said, he, he basically, in a nutshell, said, well, I, I, I don't believe any Christians humble enough or anybody wants it enough to have revival. And I'm thinking, if I believe that, I'd just pack it in and go home. And I said, you know, uh, in so many words, you need to find another crowd to hang out with. <laughs> you need to get around some people. I said, number one, God command us. He said, I will pour water on him who's thirsty. He said in uh, Matthew chapter 5, he said, uh, he said uh, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I said, God surely wouldn't say that if it were impossible for us to be filled. 
He surely wouldn't give us a command in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 19. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Gave us command after command to walk in the spirit. And by that is revival. It is walking in the spirit of God. Somebody said, can you put it in a statement, Brother Al? I said, sure. I said, here's what I believe revival is. I believe revival is God stirring in the hearts of his children, uh, taking off the dead things, putting alive things in, and the end of it will be the display of the fruit of the spirit in their lives. How are we going to tell if we have revival? I love altar calls. I love shouting. I love waving my hand. I love singing the songs of God. I love preaching. But we'll know if we've had revival this week by what happens after we get out of here tonight. Second Chronicles in chapter number 35, 34, excuse me. The Bible says in verse number one, when Josiah was eight years old, when he began to reign. Second Chronicles chapter 34. I hear pages rustling. That means take your time, Brother Allen. We are not there yet. Second Chronicles 34, the Bible says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of David, his father. And watch this, I like this. He declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. Let me put this parenthetical statement out there. Many in the church today If it's not their way, then they're not willing to have revival. Brother Allen, you didn't sing my favorite song, or you didn't do it my way, you didn't preach that sermon that I like, or you didn't preach out of the book that I like, or you weren't in the Old Testament, you weren't in the New Testament, Brother Allen. And here's what it is. There is constant pressure on your pastor and on your church to move to the right hand or to the left. There's some that say, man, I don't think you're nasty enough in the pulpit. There's some that say, man, I don't think you're hard enough. And some say you're too hard. Some say you preach too long. Some say you preach too short. I have never been accused of preaching too short, by the way. Some say he's too loud. He's too soft. He's too high. He's too low. He's too serious. He jokes around too much. Josiah said this, I want to be right where God wants me to be. I want to be right where God wants me to be. And he said he declined to go neither to the right hand nor to the left. The Bible says, for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, I love these words, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence. And the images that were on high above them, he cut down in the groves and he carved the images and the molten images and he break them in pieces. He made dust of them and he strewed them upon the graves of them. Boy, you want to talk about, you want to talk about in your face moment. The Bible says he strewed it upon the graves of them that sacrificed unto them. Talk about a victory lap right there. Not only did he tear them down, he ground them up and he threw it on the graves of the worshipers. 
And he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. What? What a national revival. What? I mean, wouldn't you like to see this place? Could you, could you imagine getting a, a premier or a, a, what do you call them, a prime minister, uh, a president, whatever we want to call them? And could you imagine getting a national leader again that says, bless God, it's time to get right with God. And we're going to take down these idols. And a matter of fact, those that, that perpetrated these crimes, we're going to bust them up. We're going to bust down their monuments and we're going to grind them to dust and we're going to throw them on top of the graves. Those men... Could you imagine a president of the United States? And, and uh, I think we like to play and pretend people are spiritual in the United States. You know, when our guy gets in, he's the greatest. He's the second coming of John the Baptist. All a guy has to say is Jesus one time in our politics. And we're like, oh, yeah, he's a Christian. Are you nuts? But could you imagine having a leader that said, listen, day number one. Abortion is murder. Any doctor that commits abortion, he's a murderer. We're going to lock him up. We're going to give him life in prison. And I'm for that. Could you imagine a president saying that? No, every president goes, I'm pro-life. If you're pro-life, then start jailing murderers. Oh, yeah, I, I stand for traditional family values. If you stand for traditional family values, then, then do something about it, big boy. I'm against this and I'm against that. Hey, listen, they got the power to do something about it, but we, we're, we're all talking. No, we used to say it when we were younger. They're big talking, no action. My mama used to put it this way in some people that like to talk a lot. She'd say, don't let your mouth write a check that your rear end can't cash. And she wasn't very spiritual, so she didn't say what I said. Father, forget. I don't know what I just did. I can hear Jesus right now. He ever lived to make intercession for us, the Bible says. He's like, Father, forgive Calvin. He knows not what he does. You know, I can hear him right now praying for me. But I'll tell you, Josiah, he wasn't a big talk, no action guy. He said, if we believe this, we're going to stand on it. He much like the, the, uh, uh, the Indian chief in the United States of America, uh, when he said, here I stand, I can do no more. He much like Martin Luther at the Diet of Worms when the whole Catholic Church was coming against him and he was going to be excommunicated. He, they said, Mr. Luther, don't you understand that the world is against you? And then he said, therefore, I am against the world. And God, give us some leaders like this again that will say, listen, come hell or high water, uh, come whatever, come what may, I'm going to do what's right. We're going to have revival in our land. Amen. Well, God, give us a group of Christians, though, that would say that. My home is going to have revival, and my church, if it's depending on me, is going to have revival. And we're going to clean out the idols, and we're going to take anything that distracts us from God, and we're going to take away any idol that we have in our lives. I don't care whether we call it money. I don't care whether we call it career, whether we call it ambition. I don't care whether we call them a friend. I don't care whether we call them some activity that's ungodly. I don't care what we call it. I want revival in my life, and we're going to sweep out anything that doesn't bring revival.
I want to talk to you tonight on this subject for the next 15 minutes. The life and death of revival. I saw your face, preacher. He said, 15 minutes, my hind leg. <laughs> and uh, I saw it on you. <laughs> I just lied in the house of God. Amen. And uh, that's why I said 15 minutes or so. <laughs> that's how you can get around the lying part. Amen. And uh, 15 minutes or so tonight. All right. And I saw it as soon as I said 15 minutes, I saw him lean over. Yeah. No. And uh, my pants started on fire right there. And, uh, anyways, let's pray tonight. We're going to talk about the life and death of revival. The life and death of a revival. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I pray I need your touch tonight. Heavenly Father, I know uh, that all is vain unless the Holy One comes down. I do stand. I am very aware that the arm of flesh will fail me, that I dare not trust my own. So I pray tonight that you'd help me. And Lord, revive thy people again that we might rejoice and, and the bones that thou hast broken might be healed and God, focus us again on the cross, focus us on Jesus, focus us on the things of God. We'll be careful to give you all the glory for what we've experienced. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for these good people. Many of them are so kind, and throughout the years, we've just grown together and to love you more and worship together. What a wonderful place this is. But Lord, I'd, be, I'd feel disappointed if I walked away from this place and just had a great time with the people but didn't see you move. We thank you already for the people that have been saved on Sunday, and we thank you for the young man that was saved last night, how excited he was just about asking the Lord to save him. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. They will never forget. After we'd wandered darkness away, Jesus the Savior we met. God, I thank you for that happy day that fixed my choice on you, my Savior and my God. But Lord, we want to see something happen tonight, and not just in this place but in the hearts that would result in a changed life, in a changed direction. Help us see the life and death of this national revival. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. If we were to look at it and analyze it, many times I always describe my preaching kind of like this. I feel like many a times and I build a case during my messages. I feel like I'm building a case like a lawyer would. And I want to build a case here tonight for revival. I want you to see some key ingredients in this case right here that if we're going to have revival, if we're ever going to see a genuine move of God in your heart, in your home, in God's house, and in your homeland, you like how I put all those H's together, amen, and uh, you're going to have to see these ingredients if we're going to see a move of God happen. Number one, I want you to see this. I want you to notice, number one, this revival was youth-led. This revival was youth-led. Your Bible said in verse number one that Josiah was eight years old. The Bible says in the eighth year of his reign, that means he was 16 years old. Is there anybody 16 years old in the room tonight? Any 16-year-olds? We got one. I thought, Miss Joanne, I thought you raised your hand over here. I was like, whoa, I think you're a little bit past that right there. And we've got one 16-year-old. We got another one over here. Good. The Bible says when Josiah was your age, he began to seek the Lord. 
And I'm going to tell you today, if we have ever needed young people to seek the Lord, it's now. We say, or we often say this, the young people are our future. No, they're our present right now. Can I say to you young people, I'm talking about us millennial age. I'm, I'm gonna, I hate being a millennial. And uh, no, I'm on the tail end of that, actually I'm on the front end of that millennial, uh, of, uh, that millennial group right there. Some places I look and they say it starts in 1979. Some say it starts in 1980. Some it starts in 82. And I'm like, yeah, I'm right there in 81. Leave me alone. I'm not a millennial. I'm an Xer, amen. But I'm telling you, our generation right now. Listen, most people my age, I'm getting to the place where I'm starting to preach for pastors younger than me. It's crazy. But I'm going to tell you, those of you that are 40 years of age and those of you that are 30 years of age and those of you that are 20 years of age, can I say to you tonight, the people in this room may not say it and they may not acknowledge it out loud, but they desperately need you. Do you understand they're worried about you? These folks that are gray-haired in the church tonight, they're wondering who's going to lead the choir next. And who's gonna, Now, we got a lot of years coming on, but who's going to lead that choir in 20, 30, 40 years? And who's going to be the one play? And whose family's going to be standing up there? And who's going to be the youth director of this church? And who's going to be the next pastor of this church? And who's going to be in the, in the ensemble? And who's going to run the sound booth? Brother, Brother Judge only has about two more years. I mean, who's going to do it? Just kidding, brother. And I shouldn't mess with the man that brought me cheesecake. Anyways, this revival was youth-led. We all know this. When God begins to stir the young people of a nation, when God begins to stir the young people of a church, something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. And young people, this is why. Because there is somebody named Satan. And Satan, just like Peter, he hath desire to have you, that he may sift you as the wheat. But Jesus said he was praying for Peter, and Jesus tonight is praying for you. Satan wants to ruin your life. Satan wants to wreck your life. Satan wants to take all that's good and pure and that's holy about you. And he wants to turn you into a bitter young person. And he wants to turn you into a filthy young person. He wants you to sell your purity down the river so you can be some old dirty hag somewhere that nobody he wants and you feel dirty and you look dirty and you act dirty and he wants you to stay in that same but Jesus Christ tonight wants to save you from heartache and he wants to save you from shipwreck and he wants to start a revival in you young people here tonight every fire that's built we've got men all over here that are men you like being out in the woods every fire that's built anybody ever build a fire I don't know if they ever had Boy Scouts here. And uh, he said, that little boy said, yes, I built the fire. Amen. His mama said, where? Amen. And uh, we won't talk about the fire that he built. I'm going to tell you right now, the worst whooping I ever got in my life. And I don't know if I can say whooping, but first whooping I ever got in my life, the worst one I ever got in my life is when I, I, I was trying to start a little fire, amen, in the house somewhere where it wasn't supposed to be. Do they have Boy Scouts here? Anybody was ever a part of the Boy Scouts? We've got men all over here that were part of the Boy Scouts. Can I ask you this? How did you start a fire in the Boy Scouts? He said gasoline. I'm not going around his fire. And everything went kaboom. 
Some do it with rubbing sticks together. Let me ask you this. Did you grab one of those big old logs and put a match next to that? No, you didn't, did you? Kindling wood. Those small, young sticks that can catch fire pretty easily. Do you know what you young people are in the church many times? You're the kindling wood. You're the kindling wood. And you don't understand, young people, how important you are to revival. You don't understand, young people, sometimes, and it doesn't always work out this way, but in this particular revival, a 16-year-old boy said it's time to seek God. And I wonder what young person in the room tonight would be willing to say, listen, it's time to seek God. I don't care what everybody else in the youth group is doing. I don't care what everybody else at school is doing. I don't care what everybody else at home is doing. It's time for me. That's 16 and under. That's 20 years, maybe 30 years. Maybe you're a young family. You're just starting out. But we've got to have it somewhere where there's some kindling wood in the church that says we're going to get on fire for God. By the way, that doesn't mean we don't need the logs. You are more important than ever. But here's what happens. We get that kindling wood going. And then we take them old logs and we say, hey, we're going to keep the fire burning now. And by the way, that's why every adult in this room, every, I'm sorry, adult in this room, we say it a little differently, don't we? Every adult in this room, listen to me tonight, that's why you ought to take some young person and you ought to be an encouragement to some young person somewhere. And instead of shooting your mouth all the time about the young people and about how terrible they are and how they have no character, why don't you take somebody under your wing and teach them how to have character and teach that boy how to, uh, how to change the oil and teach him how to work with his hands and teach him how to love Jesus and teach him how to pray and teach them how to walk with God and teach them how to work that bus drive and teach that Sunday school class and serve in the ministry. What I'm saying is it's a partnership here, but we've got to have the young kindling wood. Somebody said this one time in church, I'd rather have a noisy church full of kids than have no kids running around the church. We better get a reality check in some of our churches. And I'm going to tell you, I, I preach in them by the dozen sometimes. Listen, I'm, I'm all for everybody that comes to church, no matter what age you are. But I'm seeing churches by the droves, and they're dying off. And the average age is 65 in some of these churches. And I'm thinking, what in the world are you going to do in 10 years? We need these young people. That's why everybody in here, you ought to get a prayer list of every young person in this church or young people in your churches and get on your knees and begin to plead with God for young people that they enter not into temptation. It's easy to be critical of them, but really how much have we prayed for the kindling wood in our churches? It was youth led. You young people have no idea how important you are. There's going to come a day. Listen, I'm 40 years old. Watch me. I, I'm, I, I'm as healthy as, you know, a sick horse. And uh, they say I'm healthy as a horse. I'm like, I saw that horse get shot because he broke his leg. I mean, I'm not using that term anymore. Isn't it funny we say healthy as a horse, but we're sick as a dog. Dogs, when they get sick, I mean, they'll literally just eat it and go on. I mean, how many of that grossed you out right there? That's because you need revival. No, <laughs> Listen, but the average age of my family, 
My uncle, after his, on, his, on his 60th birthday, they took him to the hospital. He had an apparent stroke sometime before, the day before his, day or two before his birthday. Never woke up again. 60. My other uncle, 58. My other uncle, 61. My aunt, 33. My other aunt, 44. My other aunt, 52. There, there is a constant reminder to me that I don't have forever to preach. Now, I stay more active than all of them did. I, I, I work out with jiu-jitsu and other things, and, and boy, I love it. But listen, when your number's up, your number's up. And listen to me, I have spent the last several, 10 to really last 20 years trying to invest my life in young people that are coming behind me. And I don't say that, I'm not saying that to puff up myself. I'm not saying it to brag on anything that I've done. It is the grace of God and the reality that my time is short. And this is why I take time for college students and, and those that are wanting to go into the ministry. I work with a young man right now who believes that the Lord wants him into singing evangelistic ministry. I love it. I love it because I realize that if I live to be 70, like the Lord said, I only have 30. Listen, I have lived over half of my life already. I'm in five-eighths of my life already. If I got 70 years, that's even promised to me. And some of you in the twilight years of your life, while your life is waning down and you think you can't do anything, listen, the greatest thing you might do is encourage some young person. The greatest thing you might do. Do you understand Jacob Trelaw who writes us and plays the piano for us? Do you understand that him and I have met every day of his, uh, every week of his senior year of high school? From the time he was a senior in high school, we had a weekly appointment. I counseled him about his relationship with his mom and dad. I counseled him about music. I counseled him about college. I told him, listen, I said to him before we went to Bible college, I said, God is going to give you my job one day. You need to take this class, this class, and this class. I believe the Lord is going to use you to replace place me someday and he said I don't know about that he said I want to work with you I said I don't know if that's going to work out but I believe God's going to do something would you serve the Lord and serve him with sincerity and keep your Bible reading and listen now to this day he has replaced me and far beyond what I could have done you know why because I said we need some kindling wood there's a generation that is coming behind you that we better start investing in and you young people you better start letting people pour into your life God will bring a revival. Listen to me. God could bring a revival. 19-year-olds went over to Germany and over to France and defeated Hitler's great army. 19-year-olds and 18-year-olds and men like Audie Murphy who were 17 years old and they lied about their age so they could serve God. And I wish some young person would just say, you know what? I'm not too young to serve. God could use me to bring about the greatest revival that Canada has ever seen. But it's going to have to be youth-led. The Bible said he went in his 16th year. And in his 12th year, 12 plus 8 is 20. His 12th year, he began to clean house. And you young people, you 20-somethings, listen to me. You that are just starting a family. You just determined now, my family's going to be revived. We're going to love God. We're going to stay in church the rest of our lives. 
And that little baby that you hold in your hand and just determined right now, God's going to do a work in my heart. And I saw several of you that are carrying little babies in your hands and in your arms and you take them to the nursery or you bring them in here to service. I love seeing that. You know why? Because there is a potential for a great revival. It may be that some little baby right now, Brother Fury, that's under the sound of my voice that doesn't even understand what I'm saying right now. That little baby could be the key to revival in this entire nation. We better love on them, invest in them, and we better be seeking revival ourselves and then get our young people around it. And therefore, if they just get around it, that kindling wood will light, and then us backlogs, we can keep that fire going for a long time. We can get the money behind them. We can get the resources behind them. We can get the prayer behind them. And I'm telling you tonight, the real revival in this day was youth-led. Watch this. It was church bread. It was church bread. Look at verse number three. Verse number three, he said he began to seek the Lord and he began to purge the high places. He began to have a spiritual cleanup going on. And then in verse number eight, he said he, uh, he, he began to repair, verse eight, the house of the Lord. Verse number nine, he came Hilkiah the high priest and delivered the money that was brought into the house of God. Verse number 10, they put the hand, they put into the hand of the workmen that had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house of the Lord, watch this, to repair it and amend the house. He said, it's going to have to be involved in the house of God. Revival is going to be according to the house of God. And by the way, this is why the Bible said judgment. Judgment on the day, it begins in the house of God. I've been preaching this for years. As long as I've been in the ministry, I've been preaching this for years. We're always looking at the, we're looking at Trudeau and Biden to have revival when God never commanded Justin Trudeau or Joe Biden to have revival or Donald Trump or whoever else. He never commanded George Washington to have the Bible or have revival. He commanded us, the church. We're the ones that are supposed to, uh, the Bible says, a husband even love our wives as Christ loved the church. And he gave it to, he gave himself to it. Let him represent himself a, a church without spot or blemish. You and I as the church are supposed to be the ones that are the beacons. We're the ground and pillar of the truth. We're the ones that need revived. Amen. And I believe if the church will be revived, it'll, it'll, it'll <laughs> start a fire in your field here. And see if it's, don't literally do it, because like, if somebody starts a fire, you know, don't call me, I didn't tell them to do it, figuratively. If you were to start a fire, here's what would not happen. It wouldn't just stop at your property line out there, would it? If it's dry enough and that grass is dry, guess what? It's not stopping at your property line. So what are you saying, Brother Allen? I'm saying if we had true revival in this building right here, it would set a blaze in this community. It might even spill over to the res. Maybe if y'all have revival over there, it might spread this way. And it might dip down into the U.S. border. I like Brother Alistair said, I'm tired of Big Brother getting all the credit. It may start up here and lead down to there. I don't know. But the house of God, listen to me, you're not going to find revival at some Christian concert somewhere. You're not going to find revival. Listen, I'm not against Christian entertainment, but it's not going to happen. It's going to happen when it is church bread. 
That's why you got to be faithful to the house of God. That's why you ought to be here every time you can be here. Listen, I'm not one of those people who say, oh, you missed the church service. You don't have to be right with God. Listen, I'm just saying the importance in our attitude towards the church many times is what shows our attitude towards revival. We've got to get in the house. And we've got to be faithful to the house of God. And that's why, you, parents, listen to me. You ought to make sure your young people, as much as you can, get them in church. Get them around the things of God. Get them around worship because it might start a revival in their hearts. It's got to be church. Then watch this. It was word fed. I said it was youth led. It was church bred. Watch this. It was word fed. Look at their response to the word of God in verse 14. When they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law the Lord had given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and he said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Could you imagine that attitude of us today? I found the book of God. Reminds me of Psalm chapter 119 where David said, oh, thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servants loveth it. Reminds me of that verse. Uh, a great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Reminds me of that verse that my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Reminds me of that verse. Oh, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The law of the Lord is perfect from converting the soul. The testimony is the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. I'm going to tell you what's going to bring revival in your life. When we hunger and thirst after the word of God and we say, I've got to have it, I've got to have it. Joel put it this way, I have esteemed the words of thy mouth more necessary than food. When was the last time you looked at the word of God? You said, I got to have it. I got to have it. Where's my Bible? I'm going through a tough time. Where's my Bible? I need help for my marriage. Where's my Bible? I need help for my teenagers. Where's my Bible? I need help to know how to worship. Where's my Bible? Oh, if we could have a revival again of those of us that love the word of God and those of us that say it's worth. Oh, it's like Jeremiah. Those of us preachers in this room today, we ought to stand there like Jeremiah when he said God called him to preach and he didn't pray on to preach. And he said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to preach. And he said, oh, but thy word was in my chest. He said it was like burning and I couldn't help but to prophesy. That ought to be every one of our hearts concerning the word of God. I want it. I've got to have revival of it in my life. And when he said it, I don't think he said it like this. I have found the book. Amen. Oh, I have found the book, Espiritu Santo. I believe. I believe, my friends. He said, oh. I found the book. I found the book, Brother Paul. I found the book. This book has been lost. And for 12 long years, we've lost this book and it's been hidden. And the house of God was shut up and the people were backslidden. But here it is. We found the book and we'll have revival tonight. 
Amen. We found the book. Get in this book and love this book and memorize this book and meditate upon this book. There could be no greater revival, I believe, tonight than a bunch of people getting back to the word of God again and saying, we need it. Let's live it. Let's talk about it. Let's memorize it. Let's put it in our houses again. But here's how hypocritical we are in the state sometimes. We get so offended because the courtroom removed the, the, the Ten Commandments. We removed the Ten Commandments from the courthouse, and we removed them out of the schoolhouse. But I, I asked one time in a large ministry, I said, we're so offended by these things. How many of you actually have the Ten Commandments in your house right now? Not one hand went up. We want our secular governments to have more of an affinity for the book than we do. May God burn within us again a desire for the book. May you get up tomorrow and say, i got to get to the book. I'm going to tell you, I made a decision several months ago. Preacher, I made a decision several months ago. I don't even have my phone on me right now. But I made a decision that the first thing I will ever read in the morning is God's word. And when I wake up in the morning and that phone alarm goes off, I grab that phone. And if there's any notifications, they get swiped away. And I go straight to that Bible app. Because I want, the, I want the Lord to know he's the first thing I think about in the morning. Amen. What about you? Maybe some of you, that, that'd be the greatest decision some of you would make right now. Get off the stinking Facebook. Get off of Twitter. Stop getting on Instagram and let it discourage you. Start your morning again with the word of God. Say, I found the book. I found the book again. And for those of you that do open it up, you need to have that attitude again. I found the book. He said, but, I, but I'm in 2 Chronicles. Okay, that's fine. Read your Bible to here. Go to 2 Chronicles all you want to. But then after your Bible reading is done, you find a passage that burns something in your soul. And say, I found the book. It was word fed. Watch this. It was blood read. According to verse number one, chapter 35 and verse number one. Josiah kept the Passover again unto the Lord in Jerusalem. Verse number six, he said, so kill the Passover and, and sanctify yourselves and prepare your barren that they may do according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Watch this. And Josiah gave to the people of the flock, watch all of these numbers, for the Passover offerings, for all that were present, to the number 30,000 and 3,000 bullocks. These were of the king's substance. The Bible says, verse number eight, and his princes gave willingly unto the people, and to the priests, and to the Levites, and Hilkiah, and Zechariah, and Jehiel, and the rulers of the house of God. He gave unto the priests for the Passover offers. Watch this 2,600 small cattle and 300 oxen. Look at verse 9. They gave unto the Levites for a Passover offering 5,000 small cattle and 500 oxen. Verse number 11. And they spilled the Passover and they killed the Passover and the priests sprinkled the blood from their hands and the Levites flayed them. Watch this. It was blood red revival. The Bible says they willingly sacrificed. I believe the greatest hindrance to revival is us holding back our sacrifices. Sure, Brother Allen, 
I want somebody to give their life to God, but don't expect to give mine. I mean, somebody ought to give to the missionaries, but it's not going to be mine. I mean, yeah, I want my church to be a giving church, but I don't want to be a giving person. I don't mind somebody else is giving up their kids, but don't call my kids to the mission field. Don't call my kids to ministry, but I don't want to sacrifice. Don't ask me to sacrifice my time and go knock on some doors or witness to some folks. See, if we're ever going to have revival, there's going to have to be blood red. It's a man by the name of Curtis Hudson, who's the editor of Christian Magazine years ago, and he said this, we cannot build great things for God on spare time and pocket change. And amazing, most of us will tip a waitress better than we tip God. He's just an afterthought. We want to impress somebody. I, I've been there. I want to, we want to impress some waitress somewhere. And, 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 and listen, why don't, we, why don't we sacrifice? Say, God, you've got it all. Sacrifice. If we're going to have revival, it won't be spare time and pocket change. You know how the Man Up conference happened? Somebody got up early. Somebody stayed up late. Somebody stayed afterwards and set up, before and set up. Somebody stayed afterwards and took it down. Somebody came here and turned the lights on this afternoon. Somebody made sure the auditorium was the right temperature. Somebody prepared the songs. Somebody had, they had practice this afternoon. The ensemble has practice on Mondays in the choir on Mondays, I guess it is. But oh, this is wonderful. We got a church involved in music. But listen, it's not about all of us giving the, th- the same thing. It's not about equal giving in the church. It's about equal sacrifice in the church. That's why the Old Testament principle was a tithe. You know why? Because it didn't matter how much money you had. A tithe is a tithe is a tithe. It didn't matter whether you were a wealthy person in the church, in the synagogue, in the temple back then. It didn't matter if you had two nickels to rub together. We could all give equal sacrifice. We could all give something for the Lord. Say, Brother Allen, I don't have a lot of money. That's great. Your time is your most precious commodity. And you could sacrifice. You could give an offering to the Lord of your time. You could do something for God. But it's, if we're going to have revival, I'm telling you tonight, it's going to have to be blood red. And lastly, I like this. It was widespread. It was widespread. He began to see this nation here and all the things that began to take place. And the Bible says in 17, they had feasts all these days. And watch this in verse 18. And there was no Passover like to that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet. Neither did all the kings of Israel such a Passover as Josiah did. And he kept the priests and the Levi and all Judah and Israel that were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem in the 18th year. So now how old is he? 18 plus 8? 24. Of the reign of Josiah, this Passover is kept. He said, man, everybody was involved in this. Pastor, could you, could you imagine a night in this church if everybody 
tenderly worshipped. I believe the vast majority of this crowd worshipped. But could you imagine a service where the hand of God was touching everybody? We have them at our church. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. If what you got is a foretaste of glory divine, I don't want any of that. <laughs> could you imagine if we, if, could you imagine the service where we started singing It Is Well With My Soul and everybody was like, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more? Amen. I mean, everybody? Could you imagine a service if everybody walked the aisle? I've been in some services where they, where they had some pretty big ones. I don't know if I've ever been in a service where everybody walked the aisle. I don't know that I ever will. I don't know, man, I don't even know if that, I'm not going to say it's right or wrong to do, but I'm like, I've never seen it. Could you imagine if everybody walked the aisle? Could you imagine a Saturday if everybody in this building right now went out soul winning and witnessing? Could you imagine if you had so many people show up for choir next week and everybody in the church said, listen, we may not sound like anything, but we just want to worship God like y'all worship God. Could you imagine if that revival was widespread? Could you imagine if a prayer, I mean a fervent prayer life spread throughout the entire congregation? Could, could, if, if, if everybody in this room right just now, and I know there's people sick all over the place, if everybody in this room just right now were to show up to the next church-wide prayer meeting, I guarantee you this, you'd have to pick out a casket for Brother, Carey, Brother Fury because he'd fall over dead. Could we imagine this sweeping revival? It was widespread. But I said the title of the sermon was this. The life and the what? Death of a revival. Because something happened. This revival that was youth-led and it was church-bred it was blood red. It was word fed. It was widespread. Was soon dead. Take a look at verse number 20. Josiah, he begins to talk to Necho, the king of Egypt. And in verse number 21, the Bible said this. When he sent ambassadors to him, Necho sent to, to Josiah. And he said, what have I to do with thee, thou king of Judah? I come not against thee this day, but against the house wherewith I have war. For God commanded me to make haste. Forbear thee from meddling with God. He said, listen, you're about to get in God's way. And Josiah wanted to stop him. And he's like, listen, I came to make war with a specific house. And you're about to mess with the plan of God. Watch this. He said, who is with me that he destroy thee not. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself. He became an undercover Christian. That he might fight with him 
And he hearkened not to the words of Necho from the mouth of God and came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. What about that? And the archers shot at King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, have me away for I am sore wounded. And the servants therefore took him out of the chariot, that chariot, and put him in the second chariot that he had. And they brought him into Jerusalem and he died and was buried in one of the sepulchers of the fathers. And all of Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Soon dead. And now all of a sudden, look at verse number one of 36. Then the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's stead. And he reigned, the Bible says, and the king of it, and he came down and he condemned the land. And by the end of this chapter, look at this. Verse number six. Against him came up, who, who's this guy? Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and bound him in fetters to carry him away to Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar also carried away, here's that same place, the vessels of the house of the Lord to Babylon and put them in his temple at Babylon. Soon dead. And they went from this great sweeping revival straight into the Babylonian captivity to the place where they got over there and they said, they demanded of us a song and we said, oh, how can we sing God's song in a strange land? And they hung their harps upon the willows. And here they are, ransacked, destitute, no word of God, and only a few left. But they started out so great. You know what I want God to have done this week? Started a revival. But listen to me, if we stop listening at God and worshiping God and following God, it'll be dead before I say amen after the final prayer tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder if you'd say tonight, Brother Allen, I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I can go back right now in my mind, in my mind, I can go right now to the place I was when I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. I can go right now in my mind. I can picture it. Maybe it was on this altar. Maybe it was in a room somewhere. Maybe it was on your doorstep. Maybe it was in your mom and dad's room, but I can go right now to the place where I trusted Jesus Christ. I didn't say you were good. I didn't say you were some type of super Christian or you were baptized or you felt some feeling. I said you trusted Christ and him alone as your savior. If you say, that's me, Brother Allen, here's my hand. Right now, here's my hand. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my own personal savior. That's wonderful. You may put your hands down. I wonder if there's anybody like tonight, like the young man last night and others. Now say, Brother Allen, I don't know for sure if I go to heaven. If I died right now, I don't know that I would go to heaven. I need to trust Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm not asking if you're just struggling. I'm not asking if you don't feel anything right now. I'm asking, have you never put your faith in Christ alone to save you and ask the Lord to save your soul? If that's you here tonight, here's my hand, Brother Allen. I need to get saved. Here's my hand. Thank you, young man. Anybody else to join them? I need to be saved. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you, young man. I appreciate your honesty. Anybody to join them? I have not trusted Christ as my own personal Savior. Would you pray for me tonight, Brother Allen? 
Listen to me very carefully. If you raised your hand, we love you here. God loves you. And we sure wouldn't want you to walk out of this place not knowing for sure you're on your way to heaven. I pray that you'll allow somebody to take the word of God and minister to you. I'd hate for anybody to ever come under the sound of my preaching and walk out lost and undone. You could start a fire in your heart tonight of being made alive in Christ. Don't push him away. Don't quench him. Don't say no. But I wonder if there's some Christian here tonight that God's been working in your heart. Don't delay. Don't worry about what your neighbor's going to do. Don't worry about your husband and wife are going to do. You mind the Lord tonight. We need some of you young people to decide tonight. I'm all in. I'm done playing the game. Some of you, 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 you know what game to play. You know what to say when you're in front of adults. You can play that game. Listen, I play that game too. I know how that goes. I don't want to play the game. We need some youth. Maybe some of you adults need to commit tonight. I'm going to start praying for the young people of this church and the young people of Canada and the Christian young people. And I'm going to be an adult that invests in young men and in young ladies of God. Maybe your decision tonight will be, I'm going to get back in church. I'm going to be faithful to church. Whether it's my preacher, whether it's a special guest, I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. And I'm not only going to be faithful to the house of God, I'm going to serve. I'm 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 going to find a place to serve here. Because if revival is going to happen, it's going to be because of servants like me in this building. You could find somewhere. You could, listen, it may not, you may not be in the pulpit. You may not be on the platform. You could find something in this church to say, you know what? If revival is going to happen, somebody's going to have to get choir robes ready. Or, or, or uh, baptismal robes ready. Somebody's going to have to start taking piano lessons. Somebody's going to have to start running sound and video. And somebody's going to be able to help shoveling snow. And somebody's got to be able to help clean rooms. We've got to have, it's, it's all, it revivals all of us. Maybe you need to get back to the word of God or back to sacrifice. May the Lord have his way. Father, I pray right now that all over this room there would be a craving of a spirit of revival in this place to say whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we want revival. And we want it to be widespread and not soon dead. Give us revival that thy people may rejoice. Send fire from heaven. Send the, show us a glimpse of the real elk, the Irish elk, that what we see down here would be so anemic to where you could do a work that would just utterly amaze and be so radical in this place, they would say, I don't know what's going on at Bethel, but God's doing something. I don't know what's going on with that family, but God's doing something. May you help us, Lord.